Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Jon Stewart is back at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition wherever you get your podcasts. And three, a two, a one. Welcome to Star Trek The Pod Directive, the official Star Trek podcast. My name is Paul F. Tompkins, and I'm My name one is... of your hosts. Toddy Newsom. My name is no. My name is uh. Uh-uh. <laughs> Do you remember? That yeah, Megan was Trainer? that? That was Megan Trainer for sure. Megan Trainer for sure. I was also thinking of that's not my name. That's oh, Ting Ting. My name is Lisa. That's 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 that. Every episode we try to <laughs> sing a little bit and we try to see if we get in trouble. <laughs> I know it's and look, is it matching up? We're we're talking over Zoom. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe Kevin will make it match up. Oh, he pulls the strings, the puppet master. Kevin Puppet Master Bartelt is uh, what we call him. Yeah. Sometimes we call him Jigsaw because he, he leaves us lethal puzzles to solve. Yeah. Sometimes uh, sometimes we just call him friend. Sometimes I call him Maurice. Wow. <laughs> Not the space cowboy? <laughs> Steve Miller wrote a song where he references the space cowboy and then he's like, I got to flesh this guy out. And right. He wrote, he wrote a whole song about the space cowboy. Right. He was like, this guy must have more nicknames. Um, by the way, this is the podcast where we eventually talk about Star Trek. So just hang yes. in there. Um, <laughs> yeah. He wrote that. And he was like, this guy can't have just only one nickname. He's got to have a lot. He's got to have a lot of nicknames to make it cool. But Maurice never got his own song. No. <laughs> Paul, how many nicknames do you have? Oh, well, uh, Beelzebub, father of lies. <laughs> uh, <laughs> wait, that's not me. Wait a minute. <laughs> That's, of course, my Dark Lord Satan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever have a nickname? I know your parents called you T, right? Yeah, a little bit. You know what? I didn't have a nickname until I joined the Second City. And then um, one of my castmates, my good friend, Mike Kaczynski, he mm-hmm. started calling me all kinds of stuff when we were touring. Like, you know, my Trondy, like my handle, people started calling me. Um, mm-hmm. Trondheim. Seemed like the 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 f- full name of Trondi, I guess. Yeah, the Trondinator. Uh, you were friends with <laughs> Rob Schneider, of course. Uh, yeah, there were a couple weird little, but we all just called each other such nonsense. For a while, the yeah. whole cast, we just called each other sweaty pigs. And we'd just be like, hey, pig, come over here, pig. But we'd be like <laughs> touring. So we'd be in some weird college town doing like a sound check with some like college age stage manager would be like sweaty pig get over here and put that tape down and they were like what is happening and then if, i think that's adorable for some reason it was very cute um sweaty pig. yeah we had we used to just call each other it became such a like twin language because we were together constantly just doing yeah. bits constantly that it was like well i can't call these people by their human names yeah. my brain doesn't do that anymore people call me pft i guess is the closest i've had to a nickname my family called me paulo just an mm-hmm. O on the end of my name. I don't like when people call me Polly. <laughs> oh, 
Polly, you don't seem like a Polly. I'm not a Polly. Sorry, guys. No, you're not a Polly. You gotta shut that down. I, I'm not a Polly. If people don't know you, would you rather they ref- call you PFT or Paul F? I had one person in my life that used to call me Paul F, and I'm surprised that more people didn't do that. I feel like I feel like fans and stuff and people that don't like know you personally refer to you as Paul F. Hmm. Have you not heard that as much? I have not heard that as much. Hmm. It's just the circles I run in. Maybe I've muted too many people. Yeah. <laughs> this might be a case of you, your extensive block list on Twitter. <laughs> I never block, only mute. Oh, you never block? Yeah. You really? can see my stuff. Yeah, I don't care. I just don't want to see you. <laughs> wow. This is interesting. So you're okay with them just like commenting on you, these people yeah. that I assume you're, that you don't like. Okay. Good. Yell into the void. I don't care. That is, you know, I mute people that I'm like, I don't want them to know the satisfaction that I've blocked them. This is exactly what I'm talking about. But then there's some people that I just straight up block because I'm like, you don't get to know anything about me. <laughs> <laughs> I do like to soft block people, What's which that? is you hit the you hit the block and then unblock them so they're not following you anymore. I have never heard. You've mm-hmm. taught me so much. Yeah. Wow. And on Instagram, you can just select remove follower. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, I love oh, this. Oh. When Instagram brought in that mute button, that was Ooh, a baby. Oh, what a day that, that was. That mute. You know what? Remember and when I'm we were fan. all in the streets? Like people were just kissing each other. Yeah. <laughs> we were dancing. We were singing Can't You Feel a Brand New Day from The Wiz doing high kicks down the yeah. street. We tore down statues. <laughs> oh, the Instagram mute is my fave. And you know what? I'm not mad. You can mute me. If I, yeah. go, if I go on vacation and you, you're tired of seeing my pics for a minute, mute me for two weeks. That's fine. I- I'm going to assume I'm muted. How about that? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to post like I'm muted. Post like you're <laughs> muted. Laugh like you've never been heard. <laughs> it's beautiful. I know somebody's getting a, a, a hand quilted pillow this year for Christmas. Uh-huh. Post like you're muted. Uh, you know who posts like he's muted all the time? Our buddy Jack Quaid. And when I say post like you're muted, I mean he posts delightful things. He just He just posted a picture of himself at the time of recording as a child in a little, oh. like, I think it's a crab helmet. He's just a crab helmet. Just a treasure. <laughs> I'm assuming this is a helmet that resembles a crab rather than a helmet to protect you from crabs. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think it's a, oh, I see what he did. It is a bike helmet that is red, and then he drew little crab claws and stuff off of it. There we He's go. He's just a sweet, teeny child on a bike. You can always depend on Quaid for good good child content. He has a black and white picture of him running across the street that looks like it is from a period film about the Soviet Union. Like he's in this long wool trench. He's got this blowy scarf and a little like, like old timey hat and it's in black and white. I don't understand why he has this picture and if he's a time traveler or not. Uh, I'm sorry for my um, silence. I've just seen the crab helmet picture. Pretty cute, right? And I, it's, you, you undersold it. I have to say. (laughs) Um, uh, we, we have to put this up on the Instagram when, uh, when we release this episode, because it's, it's tremendous. It's pretty adorable. Well, look up that other one of him, the little, little teeny boy running through the streets to get a wheelbarrow full of bread. (laughs) Oh, I'm, I'm mixing up two things. A wheelbarrow full of bread. Don't even, just don't even continue. It doesn't matter. I need to know. You don't want to be in my brain for this. Is it from Les Mis? <laughs> <laughs> Let's go with that. I am Javert. I will capture you. You would make a great Javert. I think so. There I think so. 
Out in the darkness, a fugitive running. You have to have such enunciation to play Javert. Is this what this show is? It is now. Hey, hey, Javert heads. Welcome back. Uh, I recently learned, any Les Mis fans out there, small tangent, I recently learned that my favorite cast of Les Mis, the dream cast, which starred um, Leia Salonga as Eponine, Michael Ball as Marius, many of them have recently done a 2020 recording where Michael Ball is playing Javert. He went from being the young, uh, bright-cheeked ingenue, the juvenile, (laughs) Mm -hmm. to now playing the villain. And it's quite good. He sounds quite good. Anyway, so check that out. Wherever you listen to uh, <laughs> re-released <laughs> musicals, <laughs> we should get to it. This has been the longest filibuster yet. Yes, Jack Quaid is—he's so, so much fun. I—I had never met him before, and this is my first time um, oh, so you're counting talking this with him as meeting him this time. Whereas the last no, time, I've still never met him. <laughs> I had and have never met him before. Okay. All right. Paul thinks <laughs> we're all this, in the simulation. He won't uh, agree that we're meeting people over Zoom. Yeah. I, I, it's too, there's too many uh, unexplainable things. <laughs> all right. Um, so through a glitch in the matrix, I was able to talk with Jack Quaid and you, <laughs> <laughs> but he's a ball. He was so much fun. He's a ball. We were able to talk to him about what it's like being, oh, we should say he is Boimler in Lower Decks. He's my my partner in crime. Um, we're, we're pals in the show and pals in life now. And um, yeah, he talked about what that's been like. We talk about, you know, his introduction to Trek, all, all sorts of all sorts of fun Trek things. Um, and you can listen to it after this break. Boink. We're here with my good friend, Jack. We're here with Jack Quaid. Hello. Uh, Jack, you know me. Do you <laughs> Famously also know played Mrs. Doubtfire on film. <laughs> yep. Oh, man. Do I have to commit to doing this whole interview in a, in a Mrs. Doubtfire voice now? Is that... Is that uh... I would prefer that you did. I think that um, the powers that be would prefer that you did not. But that's okay. because they're not rock and roll and they don't have a sense of humor. You know, not a lot of people are rock and roll these days. Man, that's so true. Oh. It's so true. Such a lack of rock and rollers out there, am I right? <laughs> My um, God. Paul and Jack, had you guys met before? No, no we haven't. We have not I'm met. a big this, fan, Paul. Uh, likewise. I, I, I waited to meeting. say it on air. <laughs> I was like, whoa, that's Paul F. Talkin. Whoa. Well, oh, thank you. I'm, nice I'm you. a fan as well. Yeah, very nice to meet you. And Tawny, you, you are our mutual. How does that feel? Oh, my oh God. I love being a mutual. It's I do fun, really, right? I enjoy connecting people and going, you two, you're, you're going to be friends. This is cool. <laughs> you guys, you guys are, uh, yeah, you guys are cool. You guys are a bunch of rock and rollers in this Zoom. Yeah. My God. <laughs> Talk about rock and roll. It's <laughs> happening right here. Now we're also all Lower Decks stars. Oh, my God. Yeah, yes, we are. <laughs> yeah, we got Dr. Miglimo. Is that your name? I did not know yeah. that that was your name. Yeah. Oh my god! I, I, it's a, it's such a great character. I love how you I look. Was thrilled. Yeah, I was thrilled when I saw that character design. I thought it was fantastic. And, uh, and may I say, as somebody who's just dropped in on the show, uh, what a terrific show it is. I've, I've said it a million times, and I'll keep saying it. And you guys are both terrific on the show. I really, I cannot believe how much. Uh, I enjoyed it immediately. Like it just grabbed Aww. me right away, and Aww, it's been such you, a f- it's been so much fun to watch. 
Thanks, Paul. Have you Thank done you. any of your season two stuff? Not to spoil, but just to let let everyone know you. Mr. Miglimo is, or sorry, Dr. Miglimo is appearing in season two. Uh, Dr. Uh, Miglimo, not, okay. I have not, he didn't spend all those years in <laughs> Miglimo school. Um, I think Bird College. Bird, <laughs> Bird College. HBC. I went to Bird College, HBCU. okay. <laughs> um, I have not recorded yet. Uh, I have yet to have a, a, a Zoomer drop off a, a box of equipment at my home <laughs> so that I can record my part. Um, but I'm I'm greatly looking forward to it. If I have not been written out, you have not been. I, I mean, I don't I don't think you have. And also, uh, if you have, there was a we just all collectively pitched a spinoff of Doctor Miglimo's college years. I think <laughs> absolutely, it's like Monsters <laughs> University, but it's just called Bird College, a Star <laughs> <Yeah>. Trek show. <laughs> it's perfect. I love this so much, but Mike doesn't get to write it. We because we this is our idea. We came right, up with yeah. it right here exactly. on the Zoom. Yeah. It, yeah, this is ours that we pitch. He can be an EP, you know, whatever. Sure. I'm going to uh, mail this Zoom to myself so that we retain <laughs> the copyright. Uh-huh. That's the copyright. Yep. Yeah. Um, now, Jack, I've heard on this show uh, Tony talk about her audition experience with Lower Decks. Um, what was your experience with joining the show? How, what was your journey to being on it? It's very similar to Tani's. And I remember when we both discovered this about each other, whereas I would describe it as a series of happy accidents almost. Like I, <laughs> I, I really, you know, when I got the audition, I was very excited and I definitely wanted to be a part of the show. And I think I originally auditioned for Ransom, oddly enough. Um, and then they were like, no, 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 no. You're... <laughs> You're definitely more of a Boimler. Audition for this guy. And then, you know, I did. And with the sides that I got, the character who wound up becoming Boimler didn't have a lot to do. Like, Ransom had more lines within this scene. It was kind of like a big scene with a lot of characters. So I was like, okay, I'll audition for this other guy. And then I got the role, and I was so excited. And then I get to the table read. And I think Tani has said this before. Like, we noticed our two names were in the center of the table. And next to each other, which means, A, we're going to be interacting with each other a lot. B, we're kind of important in this story. And I I had no idea. And then we all, we kind of did a rehearsal in this other room. Um, And I was going through all the lines. I'm like, this guy, Boimler, he's in this this script a lot. (laughs) And... um, then we started reading it, and I was like, "Oh, okay, we're we're kind of the leads of the show." And uh, it was <laughs> yeah. simultaneously, I was meeting you, Tani, and uh, you know, again, mm-hmm. big fan. And I was just excited to work with you. And I was like, "Oh, I guess like we're both the leads of the show." And we it seems no like idea. it's going to be a good this time. Is, uh, how now? <laughs> this this is wild to me. It's how much insane. information? What like what information did you have going into this? Like before when you first the first email you get what 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 do you know about this show i i basically just had oh i completely glossed over the audition i i basically <laughs> got into a room uh and they handed me the script there because everything was supposed to be you know it's star trek it's of supposed course. to be very very hush hush very big time hollywood and i had to read everything right before i went into the room so i was glossing over huge chunks of the script just to get like what my lines for the audition were down mm-hmm. uh, and then went in with Mike, Mike McMahon, just the nicest, sweetest human being you'll ever meet. And then I, I did it. And then like months later, I got the call that I got it. And uh, yeah, that was amazing. So that's all the information I had really. It was 
basically a you got hastily you, glossed over script. Yeah, somebody said somebody sent you a message saying Star Trek cartoon. You go, <laughs> and I said, yeah, <laughs> yay! It was very exciting. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they didn't give us, uh, I was going to say the code names. Every character had a code name. The project mm-hmm. had a code name. So it was hard to track who was what. So then when we got the actual script, the day of the table reach, remember we yeah. went into that little teeny room off to the side to do a run through, like a speed through of it, because we'd never read it before. And so we sat, I remember I sat on the floor. It was like me and me and Noel Wells were just like sitting on the floor. And it was like, it was like someone's tiny office. And then yeah. we sped through it. And I think that's when I realized I was like, I talk a lot and this guy talks a lot. I guess we're in charge. <laughs> I, I just need to. On, OK, with that room, I need to tell you, because I don't know if I've told anybody this, Johnny. Um, I had a full oh, on no. panic attack in that room <laughs> because in, in that little tiny room, we had our rehearsal in before the table read because it was a cold read for me. And I could tell, like, I'm not nailing this. Like, I like Tani was, you know, you were doing amazing. You were during during like, this speed through. During this speed through, I was like, right. I'm not nailing this. And and I remember right after Mike, the reason why he wanted to do the speed through, I think, was to give us notes before you know we put it in front of the network. Sure. And it was, I swear to God, Tani, it was like Mike reading the script, going through the script, and going, okay, so on page one, uh, there's this Boimler line, Jack. If you could say it uh, like this this time, okay. All right, page two, another Boimler line. Uh, if you could say it slightly differently this time. Okay, page three. No, 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 page two and a half. Another Boimler line. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to absolutely just bomb this so much. But I'm glad we had that I don't recall that, that at all. Oh my God, maybe You seem so own... natural. This was happening in your head. Really? <laughs> yeah. It's a very specific. I would have remembered. It's a very specific false memory. It's a very yeah. It's a it's a <laughs> no. shameful failure memory. I think. <laughs> I just mean the amount it must have been happening because I'm quick to remember someone's failures and shortcomings. Trust <laughs> me. <laughs> yes, yes. I'd have been course. like, "Ooh, this guy sucks." More for me. <laughs> More for Tani. No, but you were great, Zach. Zach, Jesus, Jack. I reject oh your story. <laughs> I called you the wrong name. But I also reject your <laughs> I reject your story of failure. You've always been great. Okay, wait, hold on. I'm beginning to piece this together. Okay, did oh, you no. think my name was Zach on the day oh, where no. I was oh, no. where I was fucking up so much? And you're like, that Zach guy sucks. And then when you saw me again, you're like, this Jack guy is pretty cool. Is that maybe what happened? Good move firing that Zach. Oh, man. Gosh, that Zach guy was not great. But Jack, I'm on board. Man, oh, Zach Quaid sucks. But Jack Quaid? <laughs> My God. Um, what did we start calling you uh, famously when you and Mike McMahon and I had our first and only dinner together? Because then there was yes. a pandemic and no one ever ate dinner ever again. Um, famously, yes. We, I think we started calling you Danger Quaid for some reason, and I don't remember why. Oh, I, I remember why. It, it's because you basically... You were basically saying to me, like, oh, some of my friends are like, they, you were like, they basically said that I was safe. They were just like, they oh, called, I it was a compliment. They were like, he's a very safe seeming man. I, I had a lot of girlfriends text me. I had a lot of girlfriends my age and a little older who would, te- and I am older than Jack. So these are women much older than 
than Jack, who would text me and say how much they had a crush on him. And I was like, that's funny. You normally don't go for like a younger guy. And they're like, oh, he just seems so safe. <laughs> and then um, to make Jack feel better, we start calling him Danger Quaid. Yeah, I just remember being called safe and I enjoyed I enjoyed that. But yeah, we got to spice things up. I'm Danger Quaid now. There we go. Um, do you guys ever get to, I know in voiceover, it's rare that you get to record with other people. A lot of times it's just you doing your lines alone in a booth. Um, have you guys gotten to record together at all or is it always separate? In the beginning, it was mostly when I would come into the booth, we would find times where Tani and I, our schedules would overlap and, you know, there would be like a good chunk. It was like at the end of Tani's session and then the beginning of my session, there'd be an overlap. So there'd be about 20, no, like 30 minutes of Tani and I doing our scenes together and us improvising and, and doing some fun stuff. And then she would leave and I would redo all those scenes just in case we needed it without uh, overlap or insanity. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that doesn't usually happen. And I was so, specifically for our two characters, I was so grateful for that because, you know, we really had to have a certain kind of back and forth. And just to know, mm -hmm. you know, without seeing the show, to know what you were bringing to the table uh, was really informative for me. Yeah. Yeah, same. Um, I definitely fed off of Jack's energy a lot. I, I think what I, what I remember recording together was the very first scene that we have together in the pilot mm -hmm. uh, where Mariner bursts into his Heidi closet where he's doing the <laughs> fake captain's log. And then the ending scene of the pilot where she's like got him in a headlock and is just ranting the names of Trek legacy characters at him. <laughs> um, those things we did together and they, thus those have a bunch of improv from both of us in them. And it's very like overlappy and fun. Um, totally. But yeah, I got to imagine editing that is a nightmare. I know, for right? Mike and, and the crew and the Titmouse crew because it's just so, we get so into it. It's too we much. We do. And I love, do you also have this thought where I'm just like, yeah, this is fun, but it's going to be some guy's nightmare. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is, we're having a blast right now, but some sound engineer is just going to be having, is going to hate us so much. <laughs> and then bit. later the animators will hate you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so Mike will love it. We'll love it. Whole teams of people will hate us. It's like we have the most fun and then it just, yeah, it goes down a, a ladder of people who are having significantly less fun. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's quite a trickle down. Yeah, it's quite a trickle down. Jack, had you done much animation before this? I really only done one other. I did like one video game uh, and then I did. Uh, oh, and that's its, the, its own type of that's its own yeah. type of acting. Yeah. Yeah. I, it was like mocap. It was it was fascinating and it's so difficult. I give anyone that does that so much credit. Um, but uh, the other thing I did, I did one Netflix cartoon where I was the voice of Richie Rich <laughs> and <laughs> that was its own. And it was so much fun. It was uh, such a fun thing to do. But then this came along and Richie Rich, it was like a show involving a lot of those characters from the old Harvey comics. And mm -hmm. that character mm -hmm. kind of came in in the middle of the series. So this was my first time being on an animated show since its inception. And, and not only that, but coming into this universe that is, you know, has been around for decades and is steeped in so much lore and that, you know, it was, it was a whole different, um, Bag of worms. Is that a phrase? Well, Do people measure now. things in bag of worms? Okay, it great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Let me open up this bag of worms. Uh, you're you're a part of you're a part of three big fandoms right now: Star Trek, The Boys, and uh, Hunger Games. And these are these are things that have 
followings. They have established, like especially anything that comes from a popular one popular medium and then is adapted to another popular medium. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, there's a there's a lot of a lot of intense fandom. Um, I want to ask you which (laughs) which you get recognized (laughs) for the most. Ooh, um, at, at this point, well, at this point, nobody's recognizing me because uh, the mask, but... Um, <laughs> fair, fair. Before the world ended, um, uh, definitely the the boys, just because I, I don't have purple hair, probably. <laughs> mm. Also yeah. fair. Yeah. But you did text me and Mike that someone heard your voice when you were yes. uh, on location in on the East Coast, right? Actually, I think because of the masks now, more people, if I talk to them, will slightly recognize me uh, based uh, off the voice because wow. they're not really they're really they're focusing more on listening. So, yeah, there was this guy. There was this guy in North Carolina who recognized me because I ordered a coffee from him uh, <laughs> and uh, he was just like, oh, my God, I love Lower Decks. And we gave each other sarcastic Vulcan salutes. And it was a very fun time. <laughs> very That's cute. fantastic. Yeah, it was just a really <laughs> He was just like, oh, he was so pumped about it. And just to see that, because, you know, we care so much about this show and we, we want it when people enjoy it. It's just it's a joy. It really is. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. So shout out to uh, that guy. I'm just going to say his <laughs> name is Sam. Maybe his name was Sam. Sounds familiar. <laughs> Maybe he'll change it. Yeah, man. Wilmington, North Carolina. <laughs> Sam. Maybe he'll change it. Like now it's Sam. Now it's definitely He's like Sam. Jack Quaid called me Sam. I'm Sam now. <laughs> He's Sam now, dude. Hell yeah. How how quickly did you get the um the sort of uh under come to understand like the mantle of the fandom? Like when people are are attached to a property and you're a part of that property, it's you do have kind of a, a responsibility, you know, when For you sure. when you're out in the world. Was that something that was you adjusted to right away or did, was it kind of shocking at first? I think the the moment in my life where I had like the most shocking like whoa, a fandom is a thing. Uh, was 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 Hunger Games because I was like young and it was like my first thing, and because it was a book, a really successful book that appealed to like a very specific audience. Like I remember, I, I think I say the word "woo" in that movie. I, I think that's that's my only line is me standing on a stage and going "woo." But like I, you know, people would recognize me from the movie even though I'm a, a bit part in it, and I think that speaks to how insanely successful the Hunger Games books were. Is that like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, someone who has one line, people are like, whoa. <laughs> so that was, you know, I learned a lot on that one. But with Star Trek, Star Trek is a whole other bag of worms. And uh, uh, <laughs> I I knew going in like, okay, this is, this is a show that's been around for a very long time. There's a mm. lot of fans of this. I, I remember my mom telling me that uh, she grew up on Star Trek. That was like her first favorite show period mm-hmm. um so i and i give all the credit to mike mcmahon because i was like hey i should probably like know about this right and he's like yeah <laughs> so he recommended a ton of episodes uh because i didn't want to you know be at a convention or something and have someone ask me a question and me flounder forever um, sure. i just didn't want that to to go down i'm still learning i'm still relatively new to um the Star Trek fandom, but I'm I'm definitely a fanboy as of now. Like it's mm-hmm. it's just been a really cool, it's it's just been such a cool thing to discover and and then be a part of. It's 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 amazing. I I remember talking to you when you were watching uh, uh, some episodes of the original series, uh, mm-hmm. but now you've seen a smattering, probably from all or most of the series. Do you have Good a series smattering. that you gravitate 
towards. This I won't say favorite. I was going to ask too. Isn't that funny? Hey. 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 You guys, are, you guys are, look at you. <laughs> what are you both the hosts of the same podcast or something? <laughs> yes. Uh, I think I'm, <laughs> well, Mike started me off um, on The Next Generation, which, which I love. And I think what I found so interesting about that show was the fact that, you know, it's, it's an aspirational future. And I, I was very much used to the Star Trek movies. You know, that's, that was kind of my mm-hmm. first introduction to, to Star Trek and specifically the J.J. Abrams, Kelvin timeline uh, movies, like the reboots, uh, which I think are awesome uh, and so cool and, and such a good way to kind of reintroduce this franchise to uh, people who have been fans of uh, the property for a while and also a great way to introduce it to a whole new generation of people. But I think I've since come to discover that the mo- like movies, Star Trek movies, are very much their own, dare I say, mm. bag of worms. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> we, we did, I mean, we did a whole episode on Star Trek movie tropes in Lower Decks. Mm-hmm. Um, so watching the shows, I was like, oh, okay, this is a little bit less action-packed and it's more philosophical sci-fi about an aspirational future. What does it mean to be human? poses a lot of questions, which I think is just so amazing. And and to see humanity at its best, uh, specifically during a year where I saw a lot of humanity at its worst, <laughs> was mm-hmm. was really nice. Um, so Next Generation totally embodies that, and, and that's what I love about it. And then I started watching some of the original series, and it's so amazing. And I totally get why it was my mom's favorite show while she was growing mm-hmm. up, because it's just so charming, and it's so go go 60s in such a great way and 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 the characters are amazing you know it, it's just one of those mm-hmm. things that it of course it's iconic you know it's it's sometimes it's kind of rife for parody but the only reason it's it's so parodyable is because of just how iconic it is and how all how amazing all the actors are in it and mm-hmm. what deep uh, uh sci-fi storylines they were telling way back when it was so cool to see so i've really been uh diving into that as well so i i don't know to answer your question actually i don't know between the two which is my favorite i think they're both equally um fun and just a joy to watch i haven't dove into uh voyager or uh deep space nine which i know you're a huge fan of tani i am and i think uh i think you'll like it um, you know, before we we were just making episode notes for this interview and um, our producer, Kendra, uh, said that I should suggest some off the beaten path episodes Ooh. for you because, you know, there's kind of like the big iconic episodes that everybody talks about in, in each series. But um, so I, I want you to watch DS9 from the beginning because I want you to watch the whole thing. But I also realize that n- maybe this pandemic will end soon and not everyone will have that kind of time anymore. I'm about um, to enter a two week quarantine. Give me everything. Okay. <laughs> Give me everything you have. Uh, then I do want you to start at the beginning of DS9 because the pilot is important and gorgeous and weird. I mean, it starts with a Starfleet commander in a position we have never seen him in and dealing okay. with uh a spiritual aspect. It's it's very interesting. Oh, okay, nice. Then I will say that the first two and a half seasons of Deep Space Nine, you know, they're trying to find their footing. Yeah. So they're like like any new series or a a a, a you know a, a sequel to a sequel, which is kind of what DS Nine is. Mm-hmm. They're finding their footing. One episode that I thought you would really love, 
um, is if you get to, I think it's the end of season three. This is one of my favorite ones. I love anything to do with this character, Jedzia Dax. She's uh, a trill. We have one of them in Lower Decks. So you might be familiar, um, Ensign Barnes. But the trills, they they can either be um, what's called joined or unjoined. They either have a symbiont organism that is joined to them, which has lived in other hosts throughout its life. So they can have multiple Whoa. lives all contained in the same consciousness. Or Whoa. like our character, Ensign Barnes, <laughs> she does not have a symbiont. So she's just this a lady. Is, this is yeah. blowing Jack. Sorry. <laughs> I know. Sorry. I'm like glossing over it. Symbionts? It's one of the coolest things about Trek. So you get this character, uh, Jedzia, who's their uh, head science officer on the on the space station, who in a previous life was a friend of the commanders, Commander Sisko. And they have that. But she was a man before named Curzon Dax. And so they have this like old cigar buddies relationship. Meanwhile, she's like this 25-year-old hot model. It's very cool. But That's so the episode cool. that I will pitch to you is called Facets. I forget which number it is, but it's toward the end of season three. I'm literally and writing this down. You. You I know, I'm just going to write it down. down. I got I'll a notepad. <laughs> Here, let's just get some Foley. There so we go. it's called it's called facets <laughs> because there's a there's a rite of passage with Trill where they uh, meet their past hosts for the symbiont via some kind of Trill science or magic or whatever, <laughs> where the hosts uh, they they meet them by embodying p- real people in their life will embody the previous host. So Whoa, okay. you get. The cast of Deep Space Nine, you get Rene Aubergenois, who played Odo. You get uh, uh, Nana Visitor, who played Kieran Reese. You get all the, the main cast playing a completely different character. And it That's is like so cool. the most theater kid nerd dream oh. to just see like Nana Visitor or to see Armin Shimmerman, who plays Quark, play a woman. Like he's playing this woman from Jadzia's past. And he's like That's so got cool. this whole Shakespearean kind of. It's such a cool episode. And I feel like it's one that. If we were to do one like that for Lower Decks, um, that now I will demand really that we get do into. one like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think you as Jack and you as Boimler would really get into that idea. <laughs> oh my god! I mean, I love every time Mike's just like, "Hey, will you play this random Vulcan for a second? Like, you know, just like the little tiny lines." Oh yeah, uh, I love I love whenever something like that happens. So to do an episode where we're this is what I like about Star Trek is that. And and I do genuinely love this. Is like just when I think I know, and I know most things, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and then you know you you get into symbionts and you get into trills, and this is this is very exciting. So thank you. So Jack, uh, I know we get asked this a lot because I've been with you in interviews when we're asked this a lot. But <laughs> oh, we yeah, should ask sure. this on the official Star Trek podcast. How much of Lower Decks is improvised versus <laughs> how much is just what's in the script? Oh man, it's always a. It's always a touchy question because you're always just like, because I feel like there's a bunch of things that I don't remember being improvised that are in the show that that we did mm. improvise. But also the writing on the show is so good. It, it's so, mm. it, you know, even if we didn't, if we did no improv, um, I think the show would still be just as good. I just think it's amazing that Mike lets us fool around and have our own input, um, which is really, really cool. In terms of the ratio of what's what's improvised, what's not improvised, I don't know. What would you say? I don't really. I, I don't know because I don't remember what is. Yeah I, yeah, I often don't remember. Sometimes I can hear like meisms, a.k.a. Yeah. crutches <laughs> of mine. <laughs> uh, that's <laughs> that what comedy I fall is, back Tawny. On. <laughs> 
Oh, is it? Yes, we're all a collection of our crutches. That's it. Yeah, just crutches. Well, that makes sense because most of my most of my I know what to do mic... here. Number five. <laughs> it makes sense, Paul, because most of my on mic uh, non visual comedy I probably learned from you. So yeah. uh, <laughs> if, if you're saying it's it's crutch heavy, I learned then, it from uh, you. I learned, I learned it from it listening from you. to you. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I, there's a few moments. Oh, one of the things was there's an episode where we're both fighting. Surprise, surprise. And we're both uh, we're both saying we're both blaming each other. It's like it's when Ransom is trying to promote someone to the uh, Sacramento and and you're 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 straightening yourself up and you're being like a model officer all of a sudden just to get the promotion Mm -hmm. over me. And we had something where we're blaming each other and you (laughs) And and I go, no, I blame you. And you go, no, I blame you right back. And I'm like, I feel like that must have been us in the room. That just seems like a weird thing to to visualize on a page is no, I yeah. blame you. No, I blame you right back. <laughs> like it doesn't, that's not going to look good on a script, but it's fun when we do. Yeah, the writers are better than that. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're better than saying their intention. They're having the characters say their intentions out loud. It is funny. I think that animation is, is maybe the only medium where improv doesn't seem like improv Mm, because of, mm -hmm. because of the editing and because you're not seeing people uh, live. Whereas any movie where you see people are, where people are improvising, it's like, okay, we're way away from the script right now. This, and this part should be cut out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing I really, I really try to, cause I, I love to improvise and stuff, but I also, really want to be aware of because there's always that moment where I can tell like and we've gone off the script mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. we're talking about mugs for nine minutes or whatever <laughs> no but it, you're right with animation you just get so much freedom because it's not like you're even burning well I guess we don't use film anymore but you know what I mean we're not like <laughs> wasting everyone's time and making everyone reset the shot and the lighting and, you know, uh, mm-hmm. background actors. We are just in a room screaming into a microphone, seeing what <laughs> sticks. And it's it's so much fun. I love I love that about animation. And something that happens to me a lot of times when I'm recording is I will, you know, I, I my fandom is is medium deep, but there are plenty of things that I don't remember super well or things like from the original series maybe that I never saw. And so when mm. I run across a reference in the booth, I would like get really nerdy and want to ask Mike about it and be like, wait, wait, wait what was yeah. this from? And then what happened? And then Mike would kind of be like giving me, sort of like I just did for you with facets. Mike would be sort of like giving me the broad stroke, oh, yeah. strokes of an episode. And then and then I'd be like, oh, I got to go home and like watch that. And then our lovely producer, Brad Winters is like, guys, I love Brad. we are burning studio time. <laughs> While you guys just chat about a TV show you like. Can we please record? <laughs> Brad, Brad is amazing. And he does, I do love that he is the like reference police a little bit. Not the reference yeah. police, the time police. <laughs> yep. Uh, just, yeah, just, oh my God. I had forgotten about uh, Captain Jellico until I had that line from Mariner that says uh, in episode 107, when the temp captain, Captain Ramsey, comes aboard, Mariner says, oh, I don't want some babysitter Jellico type. And uh, yeah. my mind went, Jellico? Like cats? And <laughs> of so- course it did. <laughs> Jellico <laughs> cats, Jellico, Jellico cats. <laughs> I'm a woman of four interests. Um <laughs> <laughs> 
But I think I asked Mike about it right there, and he was like, oh, don't you remember, you know, Picard and Crusher and Worf go on this secret mission, and they have to go down to this planet, and then the secret captain comes in, and I was like, oh, yeah, just like vaguely remembering it. And so then when I rewatched uh, the episodes called Chain of Command, parts one and two, when I rewatched those episodes, it was like, I know I've seen it once before, but more what I was seeing was Mike's description, his fast synopsis of it while I was yeah. watching the episode. It's just it's very surreal because a lot of these things are so baked in to us and to yeah through the scripts that we're reading the new scripts that we're reading but through things we may have seen before or through just like you know um, zeitgeisty cultural things but then to yeah. watch them again it's got this weird deja vu feeling no absolutely and that that's what I love about you and Mike and and Brad is that I'm new to to Star Trek in in a lot of ways and. There are so many references in in our show, and you guys mm -hmm. all have taken the time, whether or not it's in the booth or outside of it, for when I have a line, you know, talking about yeah, Jellica or babysitter captain. Oh, that's your line. You know what I'm trying to say. If I have a <laughs> yeah, I get you, if I, get I have you. a reference in my line, I they take the time to be like, okay, here's what that means, and mm -hmm. here's why it's funny that we're making that reference because you can't really be funny without context and Star Trek has so much context and mm -hmm. that it's just, I don't know, I love you guys. The fact that you're willing to kind oh. of hold my hand on this on, on this journey and be like, all right, that's what a bullion is. Let's move on. You know, it's it's been really, it's been really great. And uh, I learned stuff every day. I just learned about trills. It's very exciting. <laughs> Prior to this, Jack, what was like a what was a fandom that you were a part of? What was something that you did deep dives on and that you could quote chapter and verse? I'm a big I don't know if this is necessarily like no, I mean it, they have a huge fandom, I guess, but I think I grew up watching nonstop Simpsons. Um <laughs> I grew up sure. I remember I just got my tonsils out and I had some downtime from my very, very busy uh, seven-year-old schedule. <laughs> and someone got me like the DVD box set of the first three seasons of The Simpsons. And I, I started at episode one and then just went from there. And wow, that's what I think got me into animated comedy, period. I mean, it is like the show for that but um just the way that it's written the jokes are so smart but so dumb at the same time <laughs> it's it, it, but i mean tani you and i share this when we when we call something dumb uh it is the highest form of praise oh yeah well i yeah. feel like i instantly got your sense of humor just seeing the types of lines and things that you found funny from these scripts uh so mm -hmm. that makes sense that you 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 were raised on a simpsons tutelage that makes total yes. sense. <laughs> I was uh, I was I was raised on a specifically who's that one writer for The Simpsons? John Schwartzwelder, I think is his name. Mm -hmm. He has like very the way he words certain things is just spot on and <laughs> will never not make me laugh. Like that show <laughs> is just is just incredible, and uh, I've been watching a little bit of it during the pandemic just just for comfort. You know. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we need a little bit of that these days. Yes, indeed. It's also been interesting talking to you about the newer series about uh, Discovery and Picard, maybe because you don't have such an attachment to the older shows. It, it's just interesting to see like, oh, you're the demographic of fan that I think the franchise is doing a great job of reaching right now, which is like, totally. hey, it, just because you don't know every line of dialogue every Ferengi ever said, you can still yeah. watch these new shows and feel included. Um yeah, so that's that's been really fascinating because uh, you know, a lot of times 
a lot of times people have preconceived notions about what what the new shows are going to be, but uh, you you come to them with such fresh fresh eyes. Yeah, and and I've noticed. Um, well, I learned this. I learned this term uh, known as gatekeeping, um, mm-hmm. and I realized that 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 Trek fans on, on the whole are do not do that. Like you guys are all very. You know, like you know, like you and Mike and Brad. Uh, whenever I don't get something in the booth, you guys are very much just like, "Well, that's what this means." But you you don't say it in a way that makes me feel stupid for not knowing it or, or any of this stuff. What if we did? What if we just bullied you? <laughs> well, you what do a we little bit, like, but in the best well, way. <laughs> <laughs> but can you imagine? Can you imagine if you got this job and then your like acting partner and the creator were just like. <laughs> You don't know about this? You don't know that Kirk fought the Gorn in an arena? What are you talking about? Hey, hey, Mike, this guy doesn't know about trills. <laughs> hey, Mike, he said, what's a symbiont? What a rube. What a rube. <laughs> was, the, was the Gorn explained to you in the booth? Um, <laughs> yes, and, and in a way of like, you know, like that thing that it's in a lot of memes of when yeah. he fights that big lizard looking thing. <laughs> Like it's Mike explaining Star Trek and Tani explaining Star Trek is is my favorite thing to listen to. It they are both <laughs> they both make it so accessible and and easy and uh informative and it's very nice. But yeah, I love the Gorn episode so much. <laughs> I want to give a quick shout to the Gorn's outfit. That is a mm-hmm. hot little New Year's Eve, I'm going to say 2003 era type <laughs> cocktail dress. It is yes. perfect. Absolutely. I'm sure I was wearing that when I was sneaking into a party in the lobby of the W Hotel in Chicago. I'm, yes. I'm picturing it exactly. I probably had tights or leggings on underneath, though, because it was mm-hmm. Chicago. But yeah, just shout out to the Gorn's um, little attire. I mean, why not look cool? You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Did a man in a, a yellow shirt uh, roll over, dive roll over to you and uh, attempt to fight you? I'm sorry, not a yellow shirt. You mean a mustard crop Oh, I'm so sorry. Net? Oh my God. I'm the worst Trek fan of all time. Oh my God. Mustard! Truly, my favorite thing about the original series is just so many men in, in kind of lightly cropped mock necks. Like, we don't see that great. anymore. We got to bring the mock neck back. Oh boy, oh boy. Um, So we can lightly touch on things that are happening in season two of Lower Decks. If you remember everything, anything, I recorded in such a blur. There's a couple cute things in there that were just like little nods that um, I I knew that Mike made, not even to references within the franchise, but um, references to, there's like a bar that um, both Mike and I, when we lived in Chicago, separately did not know each other, used to frequent a lot because it was across the street from the second city. And he put an homage to that bar in the script. And when he told me that, I, that was really touching and cute. That's but, uh, really cool. I don't think I can say. I didn't realize it was in a. Yeah, it's in an episode that you and I have text about, but yeah. I don't think we can say what it is. Um, as as someone who, who did a, a an animated show for six seasons, I want to give you some advice right now. <gasps> One of my because... favorite animated shows ever, by the way. It's incredible. <laughs> Thank you. You're it's about so to get into, now that you are, you have, uh, the first season has has been broadcast and the second season has been recorded and is yet to be broadcast. You're, you're embarking on a journey where it's going to be very hard to keep track of what has already been seen <gasps> and what you have just recorded. So people are going to ask you questions and you're not going to be able to remember, am I spoiling something if I answered this question? 
Wow. Because that would happen to me a lot with BoJack, where people would say, are, are Mr. Peanut Butter and Diane going to stay together? And then I would have to remember, like, wait, they don't, this person doesn't know <laughs> that we've right. broken up, like, for me, a long time ago. Yeah. yeah, it gets it gets very tricky. And I would and the problem the, the problem was on me. I would forget every time to keep track of this stuff and like what happened in these in these different seasons. But it does get all mushed up in your mind because I'm you've sure. already said the things. And so you've experienced them. Yeah. But you don't know. You can't remember. Is this something people have seen already or not? Yeah. I mean, I get that. Because, like, maybe had you seen cuts or animatics, so you feel like it's already been broadcast? Very rarely. Very rarely. We would just be recording lines. We would do a table read with everybody, and then we would record individually. But then it would be so long when until the thing came out. So then when the seasons start piling up, you're like, yeah. I don't remember what season yeah. that happened in, and I also don't remember whether this thing has been seen by other people or is just remembered in my brain. Do you think you spoiled anything? No, I never did. Ooh, I'm definitely going to spoil something. I would always, I my answer was always some variation of, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like you're trying to pass it off as mysterious. By the way, a very, a very Mr. Peanut Butter way of dealing with the situation is, I very don't true. know. Very um, true. Well, that makes so much sense because the gap between the show coming out, like with just first season of Lower Decks, the gap between my last recording session and the show coming out I guess, well, ah, actually, with the pandemic, I was able to remember things a little bit better <laughs> because we were kind of recording up until the end a little bit. But right. um, that first record, the gap between like your initial record where they used most things from that and when the show airs is so mm -hmm. vast. And yeah. I assume, yeah, when you pile on other seasons into that mix, it's it's about to get crazy. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. We're yeah. not going to know what's happening ever. I'm no. going to spoil something too. We're going to mess it up, Jack. We're <laughs> yeah. Mess all yeah. This up. I very rarely uh, know what's happening uh, at any point. So this is just going to be delightful. Um, you have your good days and your bad days. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, what can I say about season two? I, I don't know. I'm just going to, I'm just going to say things and then um, we'll cut them out if, if that's necessary. true. It can be but our problem. It can be our problem. Um, but I think with season two, we still keep, you know, what made the first season so amazing. Um, Tani, you and I have a, a ton of scenes together, but it was also really exciting to see different pairings of various slower deckers. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I could say that. Um, we'll find out. And I'm all, I'm all, I I'm think also... lower deckers is fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's not, I don't think that's an existing disgusting thing in the world. I, I'm sure <laughs> someone will correct me, but I, <laughs> as far as I know, it's not. <laughs> okay, cool. Thank you. And then, oh, I was really excited to, um, because we do commit to it. Boimler is on the Titan, and I was excited to, um, not that I ever was in the same room uh, as him because we're in the pandemic, but uh, to get to work with Jonathan Frakes again was really, really cool. Um, yeah. And he's, uh, scenes he's with amazing. Got that scenes is with Frakes. That is very cool. I don't have scenes with Frakes. I think we're we're allowed to say that. We know Boimler's on the Titan. We mm -hmm. know that it's not an immediate reversal mistake gimmicky thing. We know that Boimler is promoted and sent there. So we can say that. Yeah. Um, and what happens later, you know, will be something. But um <laughs> I know that I recorded uh four episodes in a Homewood Suites in Wilmington, North Carolina <laughs> in a closet. And it actually sounded surprisingly okay. Uh, Shout out I to know Homewood that, Suites. Oh man, Homewood Suites. 
Shout out to Sydney, who works at the front desk, and Zach. They both kept me going. You guys are incredible. Whenever my um, fresh director, whatever those like prepackaged ingredient uh, cooking oh, things yeah. came, they were, you were always called me, and you were like, "Hey, there's something here for you," and it's leaking. And I had to go pick it up, and you guys are great. Um, but I remember there was a scene, I'm not going to say what the scene was, but there's a scene where I had to be hardcore screaming at someone. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was doing I was doing a movie, and we were all kind of, all the other actors were on the same floor. And I remember talking to this, this actress who was in the room next to me, and she was like, she asked me first, she was like, do you ever like hear me? I feel like the walls are very thin. I'm like, I don't really hear you ever. Do you ever hear me? And she was like, there was this one time where you were <laughs> screaming at the top of your lungs. And I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. You're like Star Trek stuff. Sorry. Star uh, Trek uh, stuff, man. It's a whole, it's really angry. It's a really angry show. <laughs> um, similarly, I was filming a movie in Atlanta and they would, they got me to a real studio though. Sorry, Jack. I don't know. I don't know. So, oh, the, well, you're calling the Homewood Suites, not a real studio. I, I uh, my apologies. It was a lovely, okay. <laughs> a lovely place, but I got to go into a studio where um, a, a, a nice sound engineer recorded everything for me. And we did like six episodes in a row, just like burned through them. And there was so much yelling, so much action, so much screaming, <laughs> all this stuff. At the end of it, just this very sweet Georgian man, probably 65, 70 years old. He just goes, boy, that gets started and just don't stop. <laughs> <laughs> It's a very, like, like apt uh, synopsis of our show. (laughs) Man, that gets started, and it just doesn't stop. It just does not stop. And I hope it never stops so that we can stay friends. Yeah, I mean, that's the only thing tying this friendship. (laughs) (laughs) If this show ends, I'm deleting you from my phone. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Um, To be very real, though, I I think, you know, despite the fact that we've only had, like, one dinner, you, me, and Mike— I mm-hmm. feel like I've made such good friends on this show. Like I really Same. do. I like I'm really. I feel like I, I'm like texting you guys all the time, and um, mm-hmm. even like Eugene, who I've never met in person. I feel like I've gotten <laughs> closer to him. Uh, <laughs> that's Eugene's signature catchphrase. Paul and I have done a lot of improv with Eugene, and that's his catchphrase. Huh? Huh? What's my name? Huh? <laughs> How did I get in here? <laughs> hey man, how'd you get in here? How did I get in here? <laughs> yeah, and what's your name? What's what's my name? Jesus, Gene. <laughs> like a choice. Oh, I love it. I love it every time. Oh my god, I love it sounded, every time. Sounded very much like him. <laughs> He's perfect. I just love when we did uh, that comedy bang bang with him and his his character who I'm I'm blanking on now. Jazz, was it jazz, 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 yeah. jazz was making me laugh so. Hard. Oh my uh, God, he's so funny, and and Noel is yeah, so hilarious and creature. so sweet, and uh, the whole cast has just been awesome. And I, you know, I got to work a little bit with Don Lewis on on the boys, and mm. it's just been I don't know. I feel like my Star Trek family is is coming together, and you guys are all incredible. Yeah, that's a rare thing when you hit it off with people on a job right away. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't it doesn't always happen. It doesn't always no, happen. No, and but, much less you know, an animated show where I'm very rarely in the same room with people. Absolutely. Uh, you yeah. know, it, yeah. it's it's a very special thing. I agree. And uh, yeah, I like uh, I like where our relationship on screen started and where it's going. 
I don't feel like our relationship in real life ever started quite that harsh. Maybe because we weren't in like life or death circumstances. Sure, but sure, definitely sure, sure. the um the teasing and the roasting. I I've been saying that I do it to you because Mike McMahon does it to me. Mike McMahon is like <laughs> is Tawny's mariner. Like he's constantly roasting me and dragging me. And so then I I pass that down to you like like the middle mm-hmm. child that that yeah. I am in this relationship. <laughs> That's so funny. Like you're you're a Boimler in one relationship and a mariner in the other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. I mean, Ugh. get you someone who can do both, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you have to. You Paul, gotta. who are you a Boimler to? Yeah, what are, whose Boimler are you? <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, I was, I, I'm I'm the fifth out of six children, so I was a second middle child. Um, mm. So uh, definitely to my older brother, but I did not trickle it down to my younger brother. Mm. You were three Mariners and one Boimler, That's basically. Right. <laughs> But you didn't trickle it down, so you were a, a, a yeah. Rutherford. Yeah, I guess I was a Rutherford. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We were little buddies, and uh, um, and then that all ended when we started going to high school at the same time. And then it was not cool to know me. Oh no! <laughs> he had to establish his own identity. I get it. Oh no! Oh my gosh! Everything's fine now. We're all almost dead. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I love to look at life is everything's fine now. We're all we're all right. just inching closer well, you, to death. Well, you get right down to it. We're closer to the end than we are to the beginning. And yeah. that's really all that matters. And that's what makes me fall asleep at night. <laughs> well, I always love uh, these Star Trek conversations because Star Trek is a franchise built on optimism and hope. So I can't think of a better place to leave this interview. <laughs> sure. Sure. Jack, thank you so much for chatting with us. We love you. We love Boims. Um, yeah, I know people can't wait to see and hear more of you. But um, do, do you have a place where you would like people to uh, see and hear more of you currently? Anything you'd like to plug? Oh, my gosh. Um, yes, you can see and hear more of me. Uh, oh, my God. I, I, the Boys on Amazon. That's the thing I do. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Star Trek Lord Dex. Um, mm-hmm. I, can I? Can I? No, that won't come out till like 2022. What? Never mind. <laughs> Uh, what, Give what people were you hope. Say? Give people hope. Let them know. Oh, yeah. Let um, them know it's uh, coming. There's a thing coming in 2022. <laughs> Scream. Uh, it's officially called uh, Scream or Five Cream, as I like to call it. That'll be that'll be fun. <laughs> uh, and uh, you know, Instagram, Twitter. I'm there. Just go search it. Go search my name. <laughs> That's right. Thanks You're for having for me, at, guys. At Zach Quaid on That's Twitter right. and Instagram. Is that right? Uh, Zach Quaid 92 on Twitter and Zach underscore Quaid on Instagram. <laughs> hey, look, all jokes aside, these are my actual hands. <laughs> no. <laughs> and, hey, fun's and you fun. blame me for being confused. <laughs> hey, fun's fun, but uh, we got to get the facts right, okay? <laughs> we live in a no. post-truth world. We got to get that out there. Jack, the it was so great to Jack. have you. The man's name is Jack. Jack, it was so great to have you. Please come back and uh, chat with us again sometime. Of course, literally anytime. Uh, you guys are incredible. Thank you for having me. We're back. Wasn't Jack great? He's just a delight. And I hope that everyone loves him as much as we do. Yeah, if you don't get there, you're behind. You you're you're on the wrong there. side of this. Learn to love him. Learn to love Lil Jack. Tony, guess what? <gasps> what? We got some reviews. Yeah. People reviewed our show. And Hell yeah. 
we're going to share their reviews and, you know, let the chips fall where they may. I got one. Five stars from Bob X5. Oh, I like that. He sounds like a, a Ooh, new a model of, a, of an yeah. Android. Yeah. <laughs> Bob X5. Help me Spock dash space Abraham Lincoln. Let's see where this goes. As a, in all caps, serious OG Star Trek fan. Born in 1957, you know I watched the original series on NBC back in the day. Oh, I like this. It has sass. Okay. I've followed every <laughs> flavor of the franchise, and hearing my fellow Trekkers from every walk of life, it's wonderful to hear how they view the house that Roddenberry built. Also, I did not think I could admire Stacey Abrams any more than I did, but finding out she's a fan, fantastic. The hosts are a perfect blend of geek and intelligence. Ah, thank you. Tani and Paul F. Hey, this person called you Paul F. Oh, man, you're right. Tani and Paul F. do stellar work, keeping things fun and lively. Live long and prosper indeed. Thank you, Bob X5. Or Bob Tom times five, perhaps. Oh, five Bobs. Bob to the fifth power. <laughs> Pimdas. Here's five stars from Abruski. A delicious mix of love for Star Trek, irreverence for the quirky parts of the universe, and amazing people talking about what matters to them. Oh, that's the whole thing. I like wow. it. Wow. What a nice Thank summation. You. Thank you, Abruski. Here's another quick one. Five stars from avoidperil.com. I don't know what that is. <laughs> that's their username, so I guess that's a little plug for avoidperil.com. <laughs> I hope it's nothing inappropriate. Um, the best. Just the best podcast. Can't wait for more. That's it. There we go. What more needs to be said? What more needs to be said? Um, our producer, Kendra, seems to have just looked up what avoidperil.com is. Kendra, can you tell us what that is? Are we all safe? We're safe. It's, um, it is, I can't tell you, I can't tell what it is. There's a, a skull. I, I don't know what this is. It's not okay. porn though. So feel free to. Um... Okay, everyone. It is not <laughs> porn. You've heard it from our producer. Look it up at work. <laughs> well, we didn't say all that. Well, I'm telling people <laughs> live dangerously. Look it up at work. Okay, and the last one, I really like their username, Lexi Perception. I'm assuming the person's <laughs> name is Lexi, and they are a, a, a clairvoyant of some kind? Maybe That's it's just, just the way that Lexi perceives things. Maybe Lexi perceives they are a clairvoyant. <laughs> awesome, fun, engaging podcast. Great host. Thank you. Fab, diverse guests. Ben Stiller to Michelle Hurd from Picard to friggin' Stacey Abrams. So cool. Great format. Doesn't sound like the cliche cringy format that many professional podcasts have fallen into, which is trying to sound really intimate with the mic and then in quotes, but what if twist, etc. Just two really fun, smart people talking to other fun and smart people. Woo. Paul, can we switch and start doing a podcast like that? I was going to say, I feel bad because I'd been thinking about <laughs> pivoting to a really intimate style of podcasting. Well, but what if this all happened in the far future? And it could. But it didn't. And but when I will. was walking down Santa Monica Avenue, I had a thought to myself, maybe this is what I had been searching for. And I realized the real trick was to find the sun inside of myself. Ah. It's this okay, is take hard. it again. It's hard. The real trick was to find the star at the center of my own personal universe. I was my own Captain Picard. I was my own Captain Archer. The streets were icy that day. What? <laughs> Well, thank you all for listening well. to this week's Star Trek The Pod Directive. We can't do this without the support of listeners like you. Please go to Star Trek Pod Directive slash Tawny Paul dot org dot gov to see how you can become a member.
and help us keep making great content about whatever the hell this has been. <laughs> I think that's I think that's gonna stick. I think I think we can keep I think doing, it's gonna stick. I yeah. think we can keep doing that vibe. Yeah. Okay, so tune in for more of that and nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> that should be our sign off every week. <laughs> tune in for more of this, nothing else. Uh, thank you to everyone who has reviewed the show. Thank you all for listening. And uh, hey, it's not too late for you to review the show if you haven't. Um, throw us a review up there and it helps people find the podcast and we can keep doing it. We're really happy that uh, so many people are enjoying the show. Indeed. We love it. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Friday and streaming on Paramount Plus. Cal Fire's coming to you! Don't miss TV's hottest show, Fire Country. This is a high-complexity rescue with a low chance of success. Follow the rules, and you shave another day off your sentence. Critics call it explosive and pure entertainment. I'm a fella. I'm not fit to be anything else. You're not an inmate. You're a firefighter. Bring it on. Fire Country. New episode Friday, 9, 8 central on CBS, and now streaming on Paramount Plus.